faithfulness, great are your mercies toward us and your loving kindness toward us. Speak to us, O God. May none of us live the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So we've been talking, God has been sharing with you and I about how to be close to God. How to be close to God. Hallelujah. And it's very important for us to know, like I always say, the nearness or my nearness to God is for my good. It is for my benefit that I'm close to God. Many Christians don't realize that being close to God is the most important thing. It's more important than money. Because you can have money, but you, cannot, you might not have life. You might have money, but you might not have health. You might have money. I mean, look at Steve Jobs. He had all the money you could think of, but he didn't have life. So money is not the most important thing. The most important thing is God. That's why God told Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I am your shield. So you and I must see the importance of knowing and loving God and being close to God. Because when you are close to someone important, what usually will happen is that he, you have his audience or her audience and usually you are able to get what you are looking for because you are close to the person. And that is what it should be. Hallelujah. So we began to talk about how to be close to God. And um, look at Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. So I'll read that again. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16, 9. Did I get that? Sorry, Second Chronicles, I said first. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, or to, yeah, to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Or the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are perfect towards him. So I want to encourage you to Pay attention and tell God that, God, I want to learn from this. I, I, I want to benefit from this. I want my life to change based on this uh, message I, or this series. I want to be close to you. Very important. So now let's go straight. What was the first? There are different ways or things we can do to become close to God. Or we, we must be a certain type of person. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. And verse 12. Let's turn to Hebrews 6.12. The Bible says, But be not slothful, but be ye imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. So you and I, we shouldn't be slothful. That word slothful is don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. So, so in order to even imitate people who have done well. If you and I want to imitate the heroes of faith, if you and I want to, to be like the heroes of faith, we need hard work. Laziness cannot give us that chance. When you are lazy or you don't put in the effort, you will not be able to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Let's assume you are trusting God to inherit the promises of God. You need faith and you need patience. Patience because sometimes it's a timing issue. Sometimes our timing and God's timing are different. Many people try to get God to fit into their timing or schedule, but that doesn't work that way. God has his timing and his timing is the best and you and I must fit into his timing and schedule. So the Bible says that you and I should not be slothful or lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And we are looking at David the king. David the king is a good example of someone who was close to God, even though he was not perfect. Oh, someone will say, Pastor, you don't understand. I have done so many bad things. Definitely, I'm not part of the list. I can never be close to God. Well, let's talk about David. David was uh, an adulterer. He took someone's wife, even though he had many wives. He took someone's wife and killed the man. 
Now, some people who are watching might have killed someone or who knows, and you have repented, you are saved, but, or you might not even be saved, or you are you're someone who has killed someone and you are wondering what I'm talking about. God wants you, God loves you, God can save you. So there are many who maybe has, I'm sure there are people watching who have taken, you've taken someone's wife or someone's husband. Yes, I'm sure people have done that. Repent and do well. But remember that David did two things that are worse. Number one, he had many wives and took someone's wife and killed the man. He, he killed the man. And yet he is God's favorite. So don't worry about the past because you and I cannot control the past, but we can control the present time. Hallelujah. Amen. So number one, the, the first way or key to becoming close to God is becoming a worshiper of God. Be a worshiper of God. Be someone who worships God. Be someone who loves God's presence. Be someone who is always looking for opportunities to worship God. And to worship God is to place great worth on God. Then we also talked about the fact that God inhabits the praises of Israel. Which means God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits my praises and your praises. Because you and I are the Israel of God. The church is the Israel of God, according to Galatians. So you and I must be people who worship God, praise Him, place great worth on God. Because we know that God is, he is the most important person. He is worthy of all our adoration. He is worthy of all our honor. He is worthy of all our praise. He is God Almighty and He is the best of all. So we must acknowledge Him and worship Him. Number two, we talked about the fact that the second thing we must do to be close to God is the ability to wait. David the king was a worshiper of God. David the king had the ability to wait on God. He knew how to spend time with the Lord. He, he, he knew how to spend time just writing psalms, singing psalms, praising the Lord, speaking to him, communing with him. And you and I, if we want to be close to God, we must be able to do the same things. Very, very important. We must be, be able to do that. Now let's look at Psalm 40 and verse 1. Psalm 40 and verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. So some people are praying, God save me, God help me, but the key is, Waiting patiently for the Lord. Waiting patiently means that, what does it mean to wait patiently for the Lord? Number one, it means keep praying and wait for God to act. Don't act for him. He knows how to act on his behalf. Don't Abraham, uh, Abrahamically act. What am I saying? Look at Abraham and Hagar. Don't do Take your time. Don't act for God. Wait patiently for God. Do what you need to do. Make the other plans. Do everything you need to do, but don't take shortcuts. Don't take shortcuts. So waiting patiently for the Lord is waiting for God to act. Number two, especially number two, spending time waiting on God and hearing what he has to say. Waiting patiently in prayer and in the word. You spend time in the word of God, waiting on God, waiting patiently, asking God to hear you, speaking to God about your needs. That is waiting patiently for the Lord. And that is very, very important. So you wait for the Lord by waiting for him to act, but especially waiting, spending time. So many people are in a rush. They are just in a rush to pray and leave. In a rush to pray so that they can go to work. In a rush to pray so that they can do what they need to do. But it's very important to spend time. Tell yourself that God is so important that I'll give him at least one hour a day. Or I'll give him at least six or seven hours a week. He is that important. 
if you make God important to, to you, he'll make you important to him. Many people want God to make them important to him, but they don't want to make God important to them. You want to be important to God, even though you are, because he sent his son to die for you and I, but you don't want, you, you don't see him as important. When you and I are, 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 are ranking things with our lips, we rank God number one. But with our actions, we can easily find ourselves ranking God number three or four. That's why Jesus said, these people, he prophesied, Isaiah prophesied, and said, these people worship me, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And because of that, they are worshiping me in vain. These people honor me and worship me with their lips. They are even taught the worship and the fear of God. But their hearts are far from me. It's similar to a father, physical father. Imagine you're a parent or a mother. You're a parent. You've traveled abroad. You've not seen your children for five years. And... You, but you have some gifts. You, you have some gifts. You told them that you have some gifts for them. But you are looking forward to seeing them. You have the gifts. The children meet you at the airport. You have the gifts in your hand. And you are so excited to see them as they run to you. As the children run to you and are about to hug them, they grab the gifts and not you. That is what we do with God. We love the gift more than the giver of the gift. Many Christians, it doesn't mean all, but many Christians love the giver, no, the gift more than the giver of the gift. But from today, I pray that you and I would love the giver of the gift more than the giver, the gifts. Hallelujah. And that's very important. If you have two seminars, or let's say three seminars, financial liberation seminar, Seminar A. Seminar B, break free seminar, seminar B. Seminar C, get close to God seminar. And you look at the Christians of today, you'll be shocked that the how to be close to God seminar will be like 10%. And the rest will be filled with the, 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 the riches seminar, how get rich seminar and the, 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 the break free seminar or breakthrough seminar would be about 90% combined. All you need to do is to ask yourself, I ask myself, but God wants us to wait. Now, how, what determines what you want? What determines uh, uh, your desire, your actions, and what you are willing to spend your time doing? The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. For either you hate the one or love the other, or you cling to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is money, but it's also a, a, a term for a, the God of money. So it means that in everyone, you cannot serve two masters. Meaning that you cannot say, I'm serving God and serving money. Or serving the world. Or I'm serving God and serving something else. No. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus said it, so that's good enough. For either you would hate one and love the other. And this word hate all. So you would love one so much more than the other. Or esteem one master so much more than the other that it is almost as if you hate the, 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 the other one. Let me say it in another way. Master A and Master B. You can love Master A so much more than Master B that it almost looks like you despise Master B. So that's what Jesus said. You cannot serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other. That word hate is to love much less. Or you would cling to one and despise the other. Meaning that you cling, what you cling to is what could, your master is the one you cling to. Or you would despise. And that word despise is just like you, you, you treat lightly. So you would 
Esteem one master and treat lightly the other master. Or you, 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 you the way God sees it, if you, once you esteem money, it means you despise God automatically. So far as you've esteemed money, oh, what's this pastor talking about? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. God says that the love of money is evil. Money is not evil. The Bible says money answers all things, but the love of money. So if you esteem money so much, the Bible says that those who have yearned to be rich have erred from the faith and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, those who desire to be rich. So it's very clear that riches or money is not evil, but it can become evil to you based on how you handle it. A car can become evil depending on how you handle it. A car can be used for good things, to drive, to do good things, or it can be used to crash, mess someone up. So the question is, the Lord of heaven, God Almighty, do we love him much more than everything else that we can say that, yes, God, Jesus Christ, you said that you cannot serve two masters because I love you and I despise the other. And the other is everything else. Sometimes including your spouse, your parents, your children, yourself. Or you cling to God or you lightly esteem God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that you and I love money, it means that we have, this, we, 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 we have lightly esteemed God. The fact that we, 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 we are clinging to money or to anything in this life, it means that we have despised God. But nevertheless, God blesses with finances because there is nothing wrong with money, but when you love money, it is evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let me give you another example. Let's go to the book of James. James How many are getting what I'm saying? Very, very important. Okay, very good. James 4. I'll start from verse 1 to 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Verse 4, we are looking for. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. So you can clearly see that once you are a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. And all these things are enemies because they prevent you and I from waiting on God. Because if you love something more than God, you would not spend time with God. If you love money more than God, you would not spend time with God, but you spend time with money. This is very important. It doesn't mean that all people who don't spend time with God don't love God or are not seeking to love God the way he wants to be loved. That's what we are saying. Because there are so many things that go on in people's lives. But people must learn by the power of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, to do what they need to do and to overcome the pressures of this world and to get close to God. And it is done by the help of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Very important. Because we can't do it with our own might. How do you become a worshiper of God? How do you become someone who waits on God? How, how do you become someone who used to seek for other things? And now you've heard this message and you feel that it's good to be able to seek for God and to make God number one. How do you do that? 
You do that by first praying to God, to letting him know that you've acknowledged the problem. Asking him for help and he will give you the Holy Spirit. Of course, you, you have the Holy Spirit, but he will, the Holy Spirit will help you to do it. Because the Bible says that, okay, let's, let's, let's do some Bible study. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And then we'll, we'll look at 30, 28, uh, 24. Romans chapter 8. Are we Romans chapter 8? Let's look at 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our weaknesses or infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searcheth this heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So you see that likewise the Spirit also helpeth our weaknesses. And then he gives an example of the way the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses in prayer. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses in all ways. That's why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our paraclete or paracletos. Who, and, and that word, the Greek word paraclete or paracletos is the one who has been called alongside to help. And the Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter, our ever-present help in our time of need. That's why it's very important for us to see that we need his help. We need God's help. But you first need to acknowledge that there is a problem. If you don't acknowledge it, you will not see it. That's why you and I must say to ourselves, I wish, waited patiently. Uh, what are we willing to wait patiently? Look, we can do so many things. Look, people can spend time doing other things instead of waiting on the Lord. Why do we want to go to heaven when we are going to be, be in front of God all the time? And yes, we are on earth and we don't want to, we don't want to spend time with him. Isn't that interesting? Many people don't wait on the Lord because they, have, they, they want to do so many things. I mean, look for example, soccer, Super Bowl, or, or uh, what, wedding shows, or what, what are things that people watch? Uh, uh, news, whatever it is. You will see how people can spend hours watching. Meanwhile, they will say, I'm too busy to pray. But they will spend hours watching different things. You see many people on TikTok. Hours. Snap. Actually, hopefully, some of us are not on Snap. Some of the young ones are not on Snap. You, so, so, so you see... People who spend hours on Instagram, hours on Facebook, hours on Snapchat, hours on TikTok. So it means that they have that time to spend. But don't spend it on the Lord. And yet when there's a cry for help, they look to the Lord. And God's God is merciful. He sees them and hears them. But from today, I want to encourage us to be people who know how to wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah, sorry, Psalm 65 and verse 4. Psalm 65. But before then, get that ready. Let's go to James 4 8. James chapter 4 and verse 8. James 4 8. I'll read that. It says, Draw nigh unto God. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Part A. Part B. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Three. Part C. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So it means that anytime you are drawing close to God, and you are, your hands are dirty, and your heart is not pure, you will withdraw from God. Anytime you are in sin, you realize that you are withdrawing from God. God is still there. God is still calling. God is still knocking. But it is 
you and I who draw away from God, not the other way around. Adam and Eve, God was meeting them in the cool of the day, always meeting them. But it was when Adam sinned that Adam fled and Eve fled from God. But realized that God was still coming. God was still coming, even though he knew they had sinned. Sometimes God asks you a question so that you can acknowledge the issue. It doesn't mean God didn't know. When God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? What have you done? It didn't mean, doesn't mean that God didn't know it. Because even before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain. Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. So God knew that Adam and Eve would sin. But that's a whole different. I shouldn't should have been brought that up. That's going to you know, I'll answer the question in one of I'll answer the question one of these days. Hallelujah. If someone will say, if God, if, if God knew this, why did God not prevent it? There are, there are reasonable uh, answers for that. Hallelujah. But how many are getting what I'm saying? So, anytime we sin, or our hands are dirty, or our hearts are not pure, we draw away from God. Even if you are not sinning the usual sins, you still, your, your spirit, deep down, you will draw away from God. Hallelujah. Let me take you to a side journey quickly. We'll come back to this. Go to First John. Just a quick side journey. First John chapter 3. Let me just get the verse. Okay. Verse 20 and 21. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And then answer prayer. So you will see that when your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence toward God. But if your heart condemns you and you are in Christ, God is greater than your heart and he knows all things. But it's important for us to know that God wants us to draw near to him. And then he will draw near to us. But you and I draw near to God as we wait upon the Lord in prayer, in his word. Sometimes you don't need to. I mean, some people are worried, troubled. I didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel goosebumps. It felt like he didn't speak to me. So because of that, I'm I'm wondering whether God, is, is, is God upset with me? I want then every human being, or at least I and many others would also feel the same way. But no, we do it by faith. I've, I've felt God many times. God has spoken to me many times. I have felt goosebumps. I've, I've felt his presence. But there are many more times that I've not felt anything. But you are still in his presence. You are still coming. Because you and I are in God's presence whether or not we feel it. Why? Glory to God, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So you and I must make sure we understand that it is only those who draw near to him in prayer and in his word. And sometimes just sit down or stand or whatever and just reflect on God. After reading your Bible and after praying and after worshiping, just be still and know that he is God. And you will see that because you are drawing near to him, he is drawing near to you. Glory to God. I said he's drawing near to you. Very, very important. Psalm 65 verse 4. Blessed or blessed is the man or woman. Blessed is the man whom thou, God Almighty, chooses. Oh, hallelujah, I said, chooses and causes to approach unto thee. So it now means that the one who God chooses and causes to approach is blessed. Now, this might mean two things when you, you connect Psalm 65 verse 4 and James 4 8. James 4 8 says, you start by drawing near and he will draw near to you. So, it means that two things. One is that God, Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father who sent me, draws them to me. And I'll raise them up in the last day. So sometimes God will touch your heart and draw you to himself. But it is up to you and I 
to allow ourselves to be drawn and drawn near to him. Now, if God is drawing you to himself and you do not draw near, he cannot force you. So, when you are drawing near to God, it is because God prompted you and touched you and caused you to approach. Hallelujah. But, what do you think? He, 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 he drew you near and caused you to approach unto him. Very, very important. So, it means that if God has caused you to approach and you do not approach, then there's nothing that can be done. I was about to say something. Amen. How many are getting me so far? That's number one. Number two, also like Moses, when you start to draw near to God and you make the attempt to, to draw near to God, then God will cause you to approach even further. Because deep call it unto deep, and you see that Moses told God, God, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your, your, your glory that I might find grace in your sight. So I've already gotten grace. Why am I asking for more grace? Because there are levels of grace. You grow from grace to growth, grace. So you draw near to God and then God will draw near to you and then God will cause you to approach because you have taken the first step. Like Moses in the burning bush. Let me turn aside. God, God wanted to get his attention. When God realized that Moses turned aside. So God wanted to get his attention. So the bush was burning but was not being consumed. So God wanted Moses to see it. So Moses saw it and said, wow, what a great sight. There's a bush burning and it is not being consumed. Let me now turn aside to see this great sight. Then the Bible says, and when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, then the Lord spoke and called him. So you will see that you make the first step and God will take the next step. And after God takes the next step, God will continue and cause you to approach. I don't know whether you are hearing what I'm talking about. Very important. So the approaching to God, you approaching God depends on you. Even though usually God will touch you and select you and cause you to approach unto him. What do you think? So blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee that ye may, be, that ye may dwell in his courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Oh, hallelujah. So I want to encourage you to draw near to God. To draw near to him. Let me give you another verse. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Philippians 2, 13. What does Philippians 2, 13 say? It says, For it is God, for it is God which worketh in you, who glory, in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's why one of the prayers I like to pray is, God, touch my heart. Show me how to love you. Give me the heart to love you. I want to know you. I want to be close to you. Help me to be close to you. Because it is he who will do it. He is the one who works in you and I to will and to do. He is the one who can cause us to approach. Therefore, you and I must make it a point to seek for God, to search for God. If you, you decide that from today, I'm going to pray one hour a day or have time with the Lord. And tomorrow, God will you miss it. No problem. We are, we, we, we are not dying by the grace of God. No problem. We just tell God that, God, give me the grace. I'll try tomorrow. You keep trying, trying, trying. There's no condemnation. There's no law. There's no fight. God is happy. Once you are making the effort and he would meet you halfway or even all the way or even the full way and he will sort you out and you realize that you are in his presence. You are singing to him. Deep call it unto deep. Deep call it unto deep. Oh, hallelujah. God wants us to go deep. 
God wants us to go deep. God wants us to wait on him, to spend time with him, to, to seek his presence, to say to him, Lord, I just want to be where you are. David, it wasn't just mechanical. Oh, he wanted to be where God is. I want to be where you are. I want to dwell in your presence. I want to feast at the table. I want to be surrounded by your glory. He, he, that was his desire. Now you and I might not have that kind of desire like David did. That's why God has given us the ability to pray. At least, even if you can only pray five minutes, use that five minutes not to ask for the house or the shoe or the car. Use that five minutes to ask God, God, give me the grace to love you more. That five minutes. Give me the grace to wait on you. Show me how to wait upon you and depend upon you because that five minutes, God will give you the grace to pray for 10 minutes, to pray for 15 minutes, to pray for 30 minutes, to pray for an hour because you are using the small time you have to ask God for the most important thing. Whatever you and I are deficient in, there's no problem. We just need to ask God because God, the Bible says, just, the, the Bible says in Hebrews that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So we must go boldly, approach the throne of grace boldly to receive help and grace in our time of need. So you and I must say to ourselves that God, I want you. Pray to him. That's one of the things I, I like to do. If, I mean, your needs, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, our needs are important. But we and I must get to a point where our need, we are praying for our needs, maybe just 5, 10 minutes or, or 20 minutes, and we use most of our time to pray about our relationship with God and about his kingdom. Why? Because that is what matters. He is our shield. Good. Now, I now remember, I, 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 it escaped me. Now, Isaiah 53, verse 6, maybe it escaped me for this time because maybe this is the time for it. Isaiah 56, sorry, Isaiah 53, verse, uh, I'll start from verse 4, but it's verse 7 I'm looking for. Or verse 6 I'm looking for. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, as sheep, have gone astray. Each, or we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You and I, based on our own human nature, we will not seek for God. It is when God makes us born again or become born again that our spirits yearn for God. But our soul is in between. Because as for the body, that's yearn for God. The body, that's why the body will not go to heaven. The flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The body will be in the ground. Because the body doesn't seek for God. But the spirit seeks for God and the soul is in conflict between the spirit and the, the body. But when you and I master our minds with the word of God, then the soul would be in line with the spirit and the spirit and the soul will seek for God. But that comes through the word. That comes through the word. That comes through the word. So I want to encourage us to seek for God. Seek for him in prayer and you see how God through his Holy Spirit will help us. He is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the one who has been called alongside to help. So even when you are having your quiet time, all the time, most of the time I'm having my quiet time, I don't just take the Bible and start reading. I don't do that. Because the Bible makes it very clear why I shouldn't do that. What I do, let me get the verse for you and then we close. What I do is that I speak to God. God, I thank you by your Holy Spirit. Or God, please give me understanding of your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Then I start to read. Why? Anyway, for time's sake. Uh, 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 but the Bible says, let me just get the time up. Are we hearing God's word? Okay. 
Now, Second Corinthians chapter three. This is very important. Hallelujah. This 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 is why it's always good to ask for revelation or for the Holy Spirit to to give us understanding of His word. Now, Second Corinthians chapter three. Let's start from verse. Uh, It says, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which was is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great uh, uh, plainness of speech and not as Moses which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is uh, uh, abolished but their minds were blinded this is it now but their minds were blinded for uh, sorry but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil on taking if i let, let me read it uh, in nlt just for time's sake this like um i'm struggling with the the the, the uh, let me just get this second corinthians i was just going to confess something but i will not hallelujah so second corinthians chapter three i'll start from verse 14. Let me get that here. And I'll use the NLT for this. I'll read that again. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their mind so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. So there are two parts to this. So the Bible is saying that it explains from the earlier verses that when Moses came from the Mount of Transfiguration, there was great glory that the people of Israel could not look at his face because he was glorious. But his glory was nothing compared to the real glory which is in Christ. Then the Bible goes on to say, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, which is the day he was writing it, whenever the Old Testament or covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. So it means that the word of God or the Torah or the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Bible, when you are reading it, that's why people can get a PhD in theology or so, but don't believe in God. When they are reading it, their minds are covered. That's the children of Israel or anyone who doesn't believe in God. They are covered to the truth. And this veil, can only be removed by believing in Jesus Christ. So it means that to get a certain revelation of the Bible, it only comes by becoming a Christian. If you are not a Christian, a certain deep understanding of the Bible will not come, even though you can write essays and pass exams and get an A, or even a first class. You will not understand the context of it. But let's continue. So there are two parts to it. Verse 15. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. Verse 16. Oh, is this the time for my thing to freeze? <laughs> the devil is a liar. Verse 16. Let me just read it. Let me just... Okay, I'm back. Verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So there are two things that need to be done for the veil to be taken away. One is turning to Christ and being saved. Number two is turning to the Lord. Now go to verse 17 to see who the Lord is. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. So what does this verse mean? This verse is saying that the Bible itself, 
the, 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 the children of Israel, they couldn't understand the Bible because there was a veil that had covered their, head, their, their faces or their eyes. That same veil covers the eyes of everyone who is not a Christian. But when you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and become a Christian, the veil is removed. Then it goes on to explain because when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is at your disposal. Or rather, not at your disposal, but the Holy Spirit is your helper and you have access to the Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says, then, but anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So it clearly means that as a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit is my helper. I can tell the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me a revelation of your word. Give me understanding of your word in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and give us deep understanding and revelation of God's word that we can never imagine. Let me read it again so you understand. I think this was pretty clear. Let me start. Okay, verse 15. Even, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. In fact, I think it's verse uh, 14. Let me use another translation, maybe ESV. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, whenever they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Then verse 15. Yes, to this day, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what am I saying? You and I, in waiting upon the Lord, if you are waiting upon the Lord and you are not tasting of the good sweet word of God, you are not getting deep revelation. Sometimes I get, I'm reading, having my quiet time, I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, whoo! It, 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 it's almost either I'm teary or it's like something hits me. It's like, my goodness, God, how, why are you so good? I mean, how, how could you be so merciful? What, you know, it hits you when you are reading it. If, if, if it doesn't hit you that way, or you don't get revelations, you just be reading the Bible and it's like, oh, when can I finish? I have to go, I have to go. When is the next time I have to go? I'm tired. Oh, I'm going to read. Oh, I'm going to have my quiet time again. Oh, my goodness. But when you are getting revelations and the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to see wondrous things out of God's law, it will be so fantastic that you are looking forward to the next time you have your quiet time. And that comes as you and I ask God for help through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage us, number two, waiting patiently for the Lord. I am not out of word, I'm just out of time. We'll continue, God willing, next week. Shall we pray? Father God, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for Jesus Christ and all he has done for us. All he has provided for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you for the ability to wait. We want to be worshippers of you. We want to love you. We want to know you more. Show us how to love you more. Give us the hearts that yearns for you, that longs for you, that hungers for you, that are thirsty for you and desire you. Father God, show us how to love you more. We want to love you more. Give us the grace and the heart to love you more. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whilst we are praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you know in your heart that you are not born again, if you know in your heart that you are far away from God and that if you die today, you do not know whether you will go to heaven or hell. If you want Jesus Christ to save you, you want him to be the Lord of your life, then I want you to Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. 
Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, amen and amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. God bless you all. Thanks for joining. I hope you've been blessed and you and I are going to wait upon the Lord and seek for him. Hallelujah. So it's now time for us to take our offering. To, to, to if, you, if you have your tithe, your offering, anything, I want to encourage you to give. Hallelujah. This tithe and offering are going to be used to further God's kingdom, to do his will, to build the church, to win souls. So there are many options. You can uh, just, whatever you want to give, you can give tithe, you can give offerings, you can give to the crusade, you can give to orphanage, you can give to remember the poor, whatever you want to give to, give and God will bless you. Shall we raise our offerings if you have your offerings? Father God, bless our offering. Thank you for the opportunity to give, to support your work. Thank you for the opportunity to honor you with our substance. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, amen. So, just you guys can wait on. Let's just uh, give a benediction for those online. Father God, we bless you. And we thank you for all watching on Zoom and online. Father God, we pray that your grace would abound in our lives. May we grow from grace to grace. May you honor us as your word says as a mighty one. May you set us securely on high. May you cause us to love you more and more. May your hedge of fire and protection surround us all the days of our lives. May your blood, Lord Jesus, may we apply your blood over our lives. In the name of Jesus, may God bless you and keep you. May the Lord Jesus cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you peace. May God's blessings, which make it rich and added no sorrows, may it be your portion. May you be blessed in everything you do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen.